Welcome to Timely Wisdom with Drs. Alice Bradford, Sarita Wright, Brenda Wallace, Carolyn Carlisle, and I am Venice Burns. You can watch us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Today our guest is the Reverend Kakisha Bailey Robinson, answering my call part two. This was recorded on April 6th. 2021. <laughs> Reverend Kokesha Bailey Robinson. She's the Associate Dean of Diversity and Grace at Grace College and Seminary in Winona Lake, Indiana. First African American Dean at Grace College. Founder of Cross Spring Ministries. She has been a public speaker for 20 plus years, minister of the gospel for 17 years. She's an itinerant preacher, professor, conference speaker, author, contributed to several books and joined mentoring preachers, seminary students, and Christian leaders. She received license to preach the gospel at Concord, Concord Church in Dallas, Texas by her own dad, Dr. E.K. Bailey and Dr. Brian Carter. Wow. She was ordained at Mount Nebo Church in Harlem, New York by Dr. Johnny Green. She is a graduate of Fisk University, a graduate of Beeson Divinity School, a Master of Divinity, of course, and a doctoral candidate at Baylor University. Come on, Baylor. Come on, come on, come on, come on, Baylor. It's true in yes. seminary. Yes. Yes. She yes. is married to Reverend Timothy Robinson, seminary sweetheart from thir for 13 years. All right. She is the daughter of the late Dr. E.K. Bailey and Dr. Sheila Bailey, founders of Concord Church in Dallas, Texas. She loves to travel, enjoys good music, reading, celebrating, and encouraging others and promoting program and initiatives in diversity, equity, and inclusion at the Grace College in the global church and beyond. She strives to be a woman of prayer and action, a friend to all people, a servant of Christ, an evolving mentor, a champion for students, and an advocate to the unknown and unnamed. Her, her greatest passion is energizing others to walk in their purpose and to trust God in faith and transitions. Come on, type in the, type in the comment section. Welcome, welcome, Reverend Kokisha Baylor Bailey. Come on, come on. Welcome, welcome. My sister, how you doing? Oh, and she did, she, look, she is a proud member. A proud member of Elder <laughs> Yeah, we couldn't hear what she had to say. I'm sorry, something happened. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you know what? When folk got the controls, they try to take up our voice still comes out. Yes, it does. We are so excited that you're here, Reverend Kokisha Bailey Robinson. We're so excited. Thank, Thank you, you so for being much. Here with us. Well, it's my absolute honor and joy. You know, we always ask this question to all of our guests. How are you doing these um, these COVID-19 streets, these Rona streets? 
Well, let me thank you all. It's so good to be here with you. Whenever I'm here with you, I feel like we are sitting at Papa Do's on the patio having Girls Day out. And so just know that <laughs> just know that I love you all. And I'm so proud of you as a co-laborer. Sara, friend, sister, and um, I'm cheering for you. And thank you so much for the women and men that you are cheering for. How do you answer the question? And thank you to family and friends that have joined us. How do you answer the question, how are we doing in these COVID streets? Um, the last time I was on a few months ago, thank you for that kind invitation. I remember answering the question like this. The pandemic season is filled with happiness, hell, and hope. At that time, I shared that it was happiness because I have a new job and I'm grateful for God's amazing grace shown in this opportunity to be the first African-American dean at Grace, a lovely college and lovely campus. I'm learning every day. I told them, now you're hiring a preacher, but you can make me a dean. <laughs> I know. That's right. And I'm so I'm thankful right. that I don't have to dilute my femininity. I don't have to dilute my mind my spirit, uh, my blackness. Yeah. I bring my full self to this yeah. institution. And I'm grateful that it's a place where I can be myself. I have new sons and daughters, uh, colleagues, sisters and brothers, red, yellow, black, and white. And this is where I feel alive in my purpose. Uh, I thought it was good to be a preacher living out my own purpose, but I have found much more fulfillment in pushing the potential of the next generation. I, I get great joy out of watching them discover why they were born. And for those that felt like they have been muted, I enjoy coming into their life with other colleagues to help them unmute, mm. to see the value of using their beautiful, necessary voices. Um, I said hell because uh, it was difficult watching family and friends pass away like many of you. Um, and I give God praise that now we can all catch a breath. And we can rejoice that many family and friends are surviving COVID, have survived COVID, and have a testimony. And those that were graduated to glory, uh, what better time to be reminded that that because he got up, they too will get up. And so we have an eschatological hope. I didn't come to preach today, but I'm grateful right. for, that, for that hope and the thinness that comes to our nowness, right? And so I just give God praise for eschatological hope that we can live right now. Um, I'm thankful now, fast forward from the last conversation, um, that the season has changed. I think when I talked to you all, it was winter, maybe snowing. I was getting used to um, having snow up to my knees, which is different for someone from Texas. <laughs> Um, I didn't like sweaters. Now I have a sweater collection. I didn't wear hats. Now I have a hat collection. And so it's been beautiful to see the evolution of myself, uh, the evolution of thought, uh, to be in a place where I don't see many African-Americans. That's new. But uh, I took a flight home recently. It was good to be back in Wakanda again. <laughs> and uh, I was energized. But I'm also thankful that now I have another place to call home and everybody doesn't have to look like me to be my family. Yeah. And I have found this to be a welcoming place and a place where I smell the aroma of heaven. I can't mm -hmm. say that diversity work is, is easy. We'll talk about challenges, I'm sure, later on in ministry and in diversity work. But what I'm grateful for 
is that being a woman in ministry prepared me to be a woman in diversity. And God gives us power to stand and withstand. And so because of that, I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm loving that. I'm, I'm doing loving great. Thank you for asking. It's been a road that has been tested for you and trailblazing that that helps, that hurts, that hinders and hope. What what was it like hearing God's wisdom and God's call to preach when you didn't see many women preaching in your denomination? We're talking about the answering your call. What was it like being called in a Baptist church as a woman? That's it. Well, we can just drop anchor and have a conference and just be here for the next 48 hours because that's (laughs) the kind of time we will need. But in a nutshell, I can say, looking back, it was the most humbling, uh, exciting, stretching, life-giving, and loneliest seasons of my life. Now, mentoring the next generation of preachers, lady leaders, men and women in ministry, I'm so grateful for sovereign uh, setups and for divine loneliness Wow! because I did not want to be a minister. I wanted to be a journalist. And I know I'm talking to the choir. I don't know many preachers that wanted to be one. We were accosted by a call. And now we understand that we can't unscramble the egg that God scrambled. Now I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. I'm like, thank you, God, for not listening to me when I begged you to uncall me. But uh, I wanted to be a journalist. I was very shy and introverted. People that meet me at this age don't believe it. But all you have to do are ask my friends from 20 years ago. Uh, I really enjoyed being in the background, writing for newspapers or on a a microphone behind the desk on the radio station, contributing to books where I never had to be out in public. So to uh, start hearing God's uh, whispers to be called into the ministry, I found to be pretty traumatic. (laughs) I didn't have female preacher role models, if you will. My mother is my first example of a female expositor. And I'm thankful for her. And I could count women all day long that deposited in my life as bold proclaimers. Uh, But in the context of the traditional Baptist church back in the day, all of my preaching heroes were men for most of my life into adulthood until seminary. And so it may sound strange to people who have the gift and the luxury of being exposed to women in ministry. But when you're in denominations where all of the preachers are men, you don't apologize for your heroes being men. Um, it's just that when you get surprised by the call, then you're asking God, um, who is going to model for me what this looks like? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I remember the, um, frustration. I remember hearing God's whispers and then hearing him scream. And if you've been in ministry longer than five minutes, you understand that God's volume changes in different seasons. And so I remember him whispering to me in the 90s. Anybody live their best life like me in the 90s? At Fisk University, shout out to... I was holding my Bible. (laughs) Well, I bowed down to you. (laughs) Go on. 
fake news. <laughs> I love the Tom Lewis because we can kick it real, right? It's right there. All that fake news that's rolling up in here. Keep going. <laughs> All of us have a, a life that we lived and uh, in college and I don't regret it. You know, that was the season of feeling like I've gone to church all my life. I'm not sure if I'm going to go regularly or I'm tired of being the pastor's daughter. Let me see what life is like. Um, I just remember making decisions, uh, some good, some bad, just trying to find myself. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm thankful for evolution, hiccups along the way. Uh, I didn't understand God whispering to me at Fisk that he was calling me into ministry since I came up in a tradition where women did the welcome, women directed the choir, (laughs) wonderful, gifted women. Spoke from the floor. Women spoke from the floor. And uh, no woman um, in my sphere at that time was proclaiming the gospel as we know now. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so I remember being super confused, like, why would you call me? Mm-hmm. Women are not here preaching. Uh, I, I witnessed in the global church and many local church that if a woman thought she was called to preach, she was labeled crazy. And we could talk about labels uh, later on because mm-hmm. they, they are associated with the call. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, I have plans to be a journalist. This is not a part of that plan. And I'm not a public person. So God must have confused me with my sister because I'm not a boat rocker and you have to be a boat rocker to step out in this. Hmm. And so I just remember thinking, please call Nikwa, please call Nikwa. She'll do this. She, she'll fight with daddy. I'm, I'm a daddy's girl. I'm not going up against him. And so now many years later, I just can imagine God's laughter. Like you don't tell me what to do. I know who I'm calling and you'll hear me say this a lot. And I've said it a lot and I will continue. God is in the business of changing people, personalities, and paradigms. Yes, he is. And we are all billboards for that, that grace. And so I'm grateful. I'm so grateful uh, because he saw what my personality would be. He saw what my interests would be. He saw what my passions would be. And he saw what the crucible of the cocoon, loneliness, frustration, labels, insecurity was building. And so I wouldn't trade it. When I sit with students in this office, I identify when they say, God wants me to do this, but I want to do this. Or mm-hmm. women aren't doing this. Or I don't know if I believe women should do this. It's college. We, we, we bring you to the buffet. We don't tell you what to eat. Mm-hmm. But it is nice to identify with people that feel like they have a calling that is bigger than, than they are. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful to live long enough to have seen God. Um, help us to get out of the boat of self-comfort. These are the words of Dr. Mm. E.K. Bailey. Walk on the water of impossibility because God said it shall be done. And so now, years later, women at Concord are being licensed. Women at Concord are being ordained. Women throughout Texas are being licensed and ordained. Uh, Women throughout the global Mm. church. And so my heart rejoices. Trailblazers Mm. are not born signing up to be a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. But when God anoints your life for that task, he gives you the strength and the stamina to stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm, I'm grateful. It was lonely because I felt like, I, where are the women preachers to show me how to do it? And I always heard the spirit saying, be what you don't see. Mm-hmm. Be a prepared woman in ministry. Don't apologize for enjoying femininity. What is your daddy doing? 
you see him sacrificing. There sometimes he cuts off talking on the phone and hanging out because he's studying and walking the floor to internalize the message. And then he's reading the Bible. <laughs> and then associate pastors, they were my superheroes. Do what they do. Mm-hmm. And then don't mind that you'll be doing yours and lipstick with colored nails and high heels. And so I'm glad I don't fight my dad's shadow or resist his position at that time. I celebrate that we evolved together. And now I'm convinced of what God can do and of his uh, ability. And then in seminary, coming into the knowledge that women preachers have been out there, (laughs) I just didn't know them. So now I love telling people, just because you don't see it, doesn't mean God isn't doing it. That's right. Absolutely. It's a blessing to see what God did in our local church, what he was doing in other churches, uh, and that he gives us permission to double dutch. I don't have to only be a preacher. I don't have to only be a wife. I don't have to only be a dean. And it's so nice to live with no limits by God's grace. Oh, that's a great segue. As you talk about heels, lipstick, and colored nails, and you also talk about uh, you can't be handcuffed and boxed in. Talk talk to us about those two things, handcuffed and boxed in. Um, how do you jump out of this or um, not allow it to happen to you in your ministry? Sure. Well, you have to be intentional about having a prayer life. Please don't be a prayerless preacher. Enjoy spending time in the Bible. In the Bible, you gotta you gotta have a Bible. Don't don't be a preacher that doesn't read the Bible. <laughs> oh, you got to say that again. Do not be a preacher that does not have a prayer life and does not read the Bible. I believe my good friend and brother, Dr. H.B. Charles. I may be paraphrasing, but he posted years ago, and it's still true, that a preacher that doesn't prepare is just an entertainer. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't agree more. You know. And so I urge people, can I talk to you? I want to be a public speaker. Can I talk to you? I want to be an author. Can I talk to you? I want to be a preacher. Well, pump pump your brakes. Do you spend time with God? Mm -hmm. I say this a lot because you can work for God and miss God. Mm. Mm -hmm. So spiritual formation is everything to me. I have not attained. There's so much more I want to know about God. But Mm -hmm. this means that I have to take Facebook breaks. I have to take Instagram breaks. I I go on vacations with my husband, but I also go on vacations by myself Mm -hmm. because I want to hear what God says above the noise of the world and the expectations of others and my expectations of myself. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't allow people to handcuff me because I see the freedom Mm -hmm. and liberation. Mm -hmm. In my 20s, I was the president of the People Pleasing Club. I wouldn't go back to my 20-year-old self if you paid me. But we evolved. So I was busy attending showers and parties and receptions and all of the things people wanted me to be at. And my soul was tired. Mm. But I had to get older and let life help me develop some boundaries. And sometimes sicknesses, challenges, trifling people, <laughs> mm. uh, drama, sometimes wow. work, sometimes ministry, sometimes your own stuff will help you get boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I saw the 
liberty in my spirit from having boundaries and saying no, God, I'm not going back. I can mm-hmm. handle not being popular because you're popular when you're saying yes to everybody. But I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not mad if, if I'm not popular. But I can't live feeling like I can't breathe inside. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so it helps me. Stewardship of the hour helps me to know when to say yes and when to say no. Mm-hmm. For example, when I launched Cross Spring Ministries a few years ago, God didn't give me the vision for about a year. I'm like, God, you told me to quit my job. What do you want me to do? Wait for it. Mm-hmm. Six months later, wait for it. You had me quit my job for me to wait for it. No, I had you quit your job because you were burned out in ministry. I was giving you a year break mm-hmm. to resuscitate you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I wasn't being mean by being silent, mm-hmm. but if you waited on me, you would get some rest. And in that rest, rest brought clarity and clarity brought the vision of Cross Spring Ministry is full time itinerant ministry, preaching at conferences, at churches and colleges, writing books and mentoring seminary students and women in ministry. So um, I saw if I say yes to those things. That means I have to say no to things not associated with that. God said, will you help invest water wells in South Africa? Will you partner with the Rawlings Foundation? Yes. So that means if you call me up and say, can you help me do some bag lunches? That's a good thing, but it's not water wells. So I'm going to have to say no. Mm. All right. really, that, that really, really helps a lot of women to talk about taking vacations by yourself. And to be okay with being by yourself, because uh, you gotta know you feel good in your own skin. Yes, yes. So talk to us about how you encourage people in that in different ways, and how sometimes you're right. You have to say no in order to hear the word of God. Um, So it comes. It uh, seems like it comes subliminally. uh, subliminally. Um, It also comes uniquely. It comes in different ways. So um, I think God speaking to the donkey might be an example (laughs) of how God speaks in different ways. Uh, So talk to us about how God. Speaks of you told us about read your Bible, prayer life. What what else can you share with us about growing in Christ? Mm-hmm. We never stop being students, and so mm. um, if people say to me, "I don't feel close to God anymore," we've all felt like that. Preachers feel like that too, but I lovingly respond, "It's okay." But when we feel like that, always remember, if we don't feel close to God, he's not the one that moved. So that means that we have to get to a posture, a heart posture of, Lord, I have moved away from you, but I'm here I am. (laughs) And so I want to ask you, God, to help me fall back in love with you, my first love. And I repent for people and things that I have exalted above you. And so I'm so thankful that we serve a God of mercy and love and compassion who's eager to run to us as we're running to him. Draw nigh to him and he will do what? Draw nigh unto thee. And so I love that. He is not sitting there waiting to whoop us because we moved. He's saying, welcome home. And welcome home can be uh, listening to sermons. I love being inspired by hearing other men and women preach. 
This can be uh, when you feel like you're a Christian writer and you have writer's block, reading the books of others. I love Zooming for diversity work, Zooming for ministry work, but there needs to be some Zooms that I'm not doing the talking, I'm doing the listening. And so we have to make sure that we remain student, student, students at his feet. I just took an amazing uh, Black History course at Concord Online for several weeks. Shout out to Pastor Carter and Pastor Aaron Moore. Uh, it was wonderful. I wasn't a speaker on that call. Over three to 500 of us came every week so we could learn our history because pages had been systematically omitted. So it's just being intentional about finding opportunities to grow. Who are your favorite Christian authors? Can you spend some time with them? Can you make some time to go to a conference or a virtual conference to just enjoy being poured into? If you're always pouring and nobody's pouring into you, then you're leading on empty. And people Let me. eventually smell an aroma that's foul. Oh. <laughs> we need places where we can detox, places we could be challenged and corrected, and places um, where people don't care what your title is. You're just mm -hmm. there to be a student at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you um, for that, um, uh, Reverend Dr. Uh, Kakisha Bailey Robinson. Let me um, ask you uh, this question. Um, I, too, was was blessed, but I came up in the Methodist tradition um, and of having uh, men that were willing to kind of shelter me, to mentor me, to, to push me along. Um, but what would you um, say to women, um, uh, particularly um, in your denomination or Baptist church, uh, that don't necessarily have uh, men uh, that are willing to, to mentor or, or, or who have um, kind of um, disparaged their, their call, what would you say to them um, to encourage them to kind of keep moving forward? Because they know they've heard that whisper um, from yeah. God. Sure. I would pray and ask God, what calling am I discerning that you're, you're placing on my life? And not to make an assumption that it's always a pulpit ministry, but not to apologize if it is. Mm -hmm. I remember mm -hmm. meeting people over the years that would say, I believe I'm a preacher. My best friend told me I'm a preacher. This preacher told me I'm a preacher. And sometimes that's true. But I also remember meeting someone that said, I was a good actress. And now that I preach my first sermon, I was just acting. And I did it because all my friends thought I was a preacher. And I just want to say it really pays to slow down and ask God. There's nothing wrong with people that affirm your life. You need people that can tell you the truth about what they see. But we can't exalt their opinion over God's voice. And so he prays to slow down and ask God, what are you whispering? Make it crystal clear. And to some people, he speaks instantaneously. And to some people, he speaks for decades. And sometimes he's whispering and sometimes he's shouting. So you got to slow down until you know, I know that I know that this is him, right? Mm -hmm. I remember the whispers at Fisk University, but I always felt like, I don't know what that is. I keep hearing. God is tripping. Or, Am I tripping? <laughs> you remember feeling like that? Um, and, and bring me back to this question, sis, but I got to make sure I tell people I know what it feels like to feel like, what are those thoughts? What are those feelings? Mm -hmm. um, and then I remember being in the God's Trombones uh, play, James Weldon Johnson. Mm -hmm. Dr. Marcus Cosby was in that. 
So was I, Dr. Keisha, Dr. George. I mean, all of my friends who are strong pastors right now and leaders, all we were at that time, Damone Johnson. I mean, everybody, all of these great preachers, we were just kids at Fisk that enjoyed acting. <laughs> I did a sermon, on a funeral sermon, got my daddy's role, had the three bars. I just felt like this is everything to play my dad in this role. Wow. And I remember getting happy at the end of the sermon that I was acting. And a couple of my professors said, can, can we talk to you for a minute? This don't really seem like it's acting. <laughs> Are you a preacher? <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, I don't, I don't believe women should preach. I didn't grow up thinking that women should preach. This is truly just acting. I love being a part of the drama ministry here at Fisk. And I remember the chaplain saying, Kokisha Bailey, as sure as I'm looking at you, you are a preacher. And on uh, graduation day, she told my sister, because I was pretty much feeling like if, if you're not going to affirm me being a journalist, don't talk to me <laughs> Well, my ignorant self. But uh, I wasn't ready to uh, hear that God had a different plan than what I had. Thank God for mentors that see something we can't see. I know that now as a mentor. I didn't yeah. understand in my 20s what I know at 47 and a half. Mm -hmm. But um I know now that when God used so many years to bring me along, that you can't tell me what I'm not now. Mm -hmm. Because it was time that revealed to me what I am in him. And so I want to say, don't rush God. And if you're at a church that is not affirming and that feels like you can do this, but don't do this. And you wow. need many mentors. All of us will have different opinions. I say pray and wait because I have seen God either use people in the tension at a church, calling you to do something that nobody around there has mm -hmm. done. And I've also seen people move too fast or push a pastor where he or she wasn't ready to go. But then I've seen God change culture. I also have to say that I've also seen God use people to go somewhere else where they can be affirmed. Mm -hmm. But you only know that by asking God to reveal it to you. I'm a product of seeing God change the culture where you are. Mm -hmm. So you can't tell me what God can't do. You cannot. You can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. What a mighty God we serve. So I am a witness that if he asks you to stay, see, it takes courage to stay when you want to go. Mm -hmm. And it takes courage to go when you want to stay. So you got to ask God, where do you have me to serve? What do you want to teach me? Because some of us running to the next hot place when God wanted to teach you something where you were mm -hmm. in the frying pan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thankful. It would have been easier to go somewhere that was licensing women back in the day. It would have been warm and cozy to be at places that would cheer when women were called to preach. I came from a lovely church, a wonderful church, the, the bedrock of my theology. They were my theology before I got to seminary. I bowed down to the black church and the global church, uh, especially my home church. But I also saw that what women were not doing at that time, it doesn't mean that they weren't doing it in other places. Hmm. And so in seminary, I saw God using women, then mentors that were women in ministry started coming into my life. And it just helped me to see how easy we could limit God, you know. And so I say to to those sisters that are feeling like, what what is he doing? 
and where should I go? You can have mentors that affirm you. I'm not asking you to be lonely because you cannot do ministry in isolation. You can't even go through the calling in isolation. Find you some mentors mm-hmm. and listen to them. That that's that's good. That is wonderful. And let me, I guess, and let me do this follow up because as you were talking, you were taking me down my own memory lane, yes. and and so. Uh, um, 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 I, I, I opened the, the first question by saying that I have male mentors, but I also want the audience to kind of hear that um, when I started seminary, I started doing Christian education. I didn't want a pastor, but but then I could clearly hear God saying, no, you know that I called you to preach and not just do Christian education. And the Methodist pastor that I was under did not believe in women being preachers. And so um, there I was. As long as I was doing Christian education, I was active. Oh, yeah, he it was applauding that. As soon as I said, you know what, I, I think I'm going to change to Masters of Divinity. It was like this person who had been covering me now was stripping. I didn't say that. And it was stripping financial, everything just was just being kind of pulled away. And so I guess I I, ask, I say that to, to ask you this. Um, were they, did, did you have any places that you experienced of, of where you had had anticipated um, some kind of, of positivity, support, encouragement, but yet you found out that, no, there was a, they kind of stepped back because, oh, I, we didn't know that. Oh, oh yes. I'm talking about. Okay. Thank you very much for sharing your experience. We are truly better together. And in community, we see we didn't go through things by ourselves, even though it feels like that at the calling time, right? Sure. The day after my first sermon, <laughs> I preached my first sermon on August the 3rd of 2003. And I would move to Birmingham to start seminary the end of that month. And my father would die about 45 days later. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. It was the best of times of finally saying yes to over a decade of God whispering and then shouting. You know, I remember hearing my grandmother who didn't believe women should preach (laughs) at that time. But around her bed, sick, we all grabbed hands and we started to pray. And she said, I want my granddaughter, the preacher, to pray for me. I just remember how God moved his volume from whispering to shouting. You're a preacher. Whether you like it or not, you're a preacher. <laughs> I remember my dad coming in my office uh, who, you know, you know his journey. And uh, I remember telling him, I'm a preacher. I can't believe it. I don't want to do it, but I can't breathe. I got to do it. <laughs> and I remember uh, he said, we'll talk about it. And we didn't talk about it for four years. <laughs> we talked as a as father and daughter. Glad the enemy didn't stop us from being the best of friends. He is my hero in life and death, and I honor him. I preached in a Delta revival before I became a preacher, and he came to support me. <laughs> Beautiful and complicated. Um, but I do remember, I got to say, a good surprise was the fear of how Concord would react. But on the night I preached my first sermon, church was packed filled with affirming people. And now 17 and a half, 18 years later, I'm overwhelmed by Concord support that night. That continued 
throughout my matriculation to uh, Beeson Divinity School, then to assistant pastor in Harlem, and then to start to work for Pastor Carter, they invited me back. The successor never has to invite you back, to be invited back and celebrated and supported. And then when I went out to start my own thing, I still feel incredibly supported by Concord. You just never know how things like that will go. So I want to say the surprise of consistent support of a lifetime of your home church is something I cherish. But uh, to the specific question you asked, I remember the joy of seeing the home church there. My dad told the hospital, I don't care what you say, my daughter's preaching, I'm going to her first sermon. The joy of seeing him there at the end of his life, changing the paradigm of Concord and hearing him say, I've taught what my mentors taught me, but God called my daughter to force me to deal with this theologically and a blind man can see that she's called. So we're going in a new direction and I wanna not just bless my daughter, but all women here, I literally saw a paradigm shift in my lifetime and in his. And he went to glory with a new appreciation for women in ministry and putting us all on his shoulders. I'm so thankful for that. But look at how the enemy would take a night of celebration. And this is the story of my life where we could drop anchor if you want. I feel like my life and ministry revolves around celebration and lamentation. And now I've lived long enough to know we're going to live in that tension until we get to glory. Uh, the next day, coming off of the high mark, I took my dad a, a bouquet of balloons and a thank you, thank you for affirming me as a woman in ministry. Mm-hmm. And then I go back to church to work the next day and I get a voicemail. Sister Kokisha, you're on to do our Women's Day. I know this is another church leaving me a voicemail. I know that we invited you last year, but you hadn't preached your first sermon. We don't think women should preach, so we want to rescind it invitation and just tell you now that you're a preacher, we don't need you to come to our church. God had already put in my heart a protection system. You know, uh, I felt like if God can change E.K. Bailey's mind on women preaching, ain't no call coming through here that's going to hurt my feelings. (laughs) You can't give me a call that's going to rock my boat more than being called to preach in a denomination where women are preaching with a father who didn't think at that time that women should preach. Uh, And in a city where people had mixed reviews of we're so happy. We knew she was a preacher. And I even remember a pastor uh, that I will uh, leave nameless. um, A non-black pastor wrote an article. I admired him very much until the article came out and the article for some reason, they asked him, what do you think about E.K. Bailey's daughter being called to preach? And I quote that he said, E.K.'s cancer must have gone to his head. Wow. He said, E.K. must wow. be crazy. And so is his daughter. And so I remember understanding early on that you're going to get your feelings hurt and that people will misunderstand your motive." And that you're going to cry sometime. But I also remember my dad throughout his ministry to preachers telling eager pastors who always want to jump into tackle fights. He would say, slow down, slow down. You can't use all your ammunition on the rabbits because you need it when the bears come. I'm going to say it again. You can't use all your ammunition on the rabbits because you need it 
Mm. when the bears come. Mm. And I'm thankful that because of God and my daddy and my mom, of course, who was a force in my life, that the spirit all those years when I was begging God, don't change, change your mind. I want to be a journalist. He was he was mentoring me by people's conversations, but where I heard my dad say, but what I saw associate pastors do, I learned what to do, what not to do. I saw women raising up. I saw women that were unapologetically biblical. I had a heart for apologetics. I learned what it was to be a womanist preacher. I saw that I didn't have to dumb down or dilute uh, to be who I am. And I give God praise uh, for the pressure that ignorant comments uh, help me to live above noise, right? And so all these years later in diversity work, I'm in a great place. I'm in a great school. I have an awesome president. But in diversity conversations that go in and out of our college to global conversations, uh, I have been called out of my name. That's no different than when I was a, first became a woman in ministry. Uh, the names change, but the labels remain. Uh, I have been given the finger for people that don't want to see diversity. Uh, I've been on Zooms where Zoom hackers uh, have shown their private parts to intimidate those of us who are women of color presenting. But I've also seen God give us hinds feet for high places. Oh, oh bless it. his name. That's it. How and I've seen that when he calls you to have inaugural roles in ministry, yes. it could possibly be a prelude to inaugural roles in other professions. Mm-hmm. And so now I don't scare easily. Do I get frustrated? Yes. Do I get butterflies? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's sometimes I'm like, Father, whatever you gave the ancestors, I need you to give it to me. (laughs) Glory. But where he leads me, he will keep me in perfect peace. And so all I do is recall what he's done in the past. This is the same guy that took a a church that didn't believe women should preach. And now they're giving them license and ordination license. This is the same guy that took pastors in Texas. And and, and people said, no, no woman will preach here. And then several started saying, will you be the first woman to preach in my church? This is the same God that is doing that, not just in my life, but in each of your lives and on the call with many other women. So. I breathe easier because I recall the track record of God. And guess what? More doors have opened than those that closed. I believe and when he allowed doors to close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm glad there were some windows nearby. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. Don't be intimidated by closed doors. Amen. Look for the windows. Thank you, Lord. You always talk about... Um, over the years, you've talked about the strong people in your life. How important is friendship in ministry? It's everything. Uh, I love having different types of friends, as many of you do, my sisters. I love having preacher's kids friends. Mm-hmm. We're almost 50, but we're still preacher's kids. I love having friendships with pastor's wives. 
Mm -hmm. I love having uh, friendships with pastors, husbands. Come on. I love having friendships with pastors. I love diversity work, but I'm with my people when I'm with preacher's families. <laughs> if I meet you and you're a preacher's kid, a preacher's wife, a preacher's husband, a pastor, you are automatically my family. Different lives, but the same call. Mm. Um, I am so thankful for Delta friends. Thank you, Saras, for being here. Uh, thank you for asking that question, Sarah Chalice. Um, you need people that get you, that have your same passions. But then my sister is my best friend. She's an AKA. She's an educator. Nobody knows. Come on, come on, come on. We are, we are, better, together. We are better together. You need family friends. My oldest cousin Where is the mute. Button. My cousins Michelle and Cynthia, so, and the list goes on and on. Stuart, I need sister cousins and brother cousins. H. Rick Jordan, shout out to him, just became a faculty member at Dallas Baptist University. I feel like the greatest friends are family friends, then ministerial friends. Uh, but now I'm in a new season. I may be a public speaker for 20 years and a preacher for 17 years, but I'm a diversity officer for under one year. So now I need friends in diversity, and it means a lot to have friends that I can get on the Zoom and be the baby of the crew and then get on a ministry Zoom and be a mentor of the crew. <laughs> I, I like the paradigm. Uh, one counselor said friends should mirror the cross. You have friends that are further ahead, right? These are the Dr. Cynthia Hales. Thank you, my friend, for all the times I sat in your hotel room or in your office. Mm. I honor you. We need friends that are further along. Dr. Linda Willis and Dr. Kathy Moffitt and Dr. Wanda Taylor Smith and Dr. Robert Smith Jr. and Dr. Northleaf Day, Dr. Patricia Outlaw. These are the people that are ahead of us. Dr. Kathy Moffitt and Dr. Cynthia Mickens, Wanda Davis. Uh, these are doctors that are ahead of me. And we need peers that are alongside. That's each of us who are cheering and collaborating and not hating and looking for us to stumble. Right, right. You can have timely wisdom and I can be diversity dean and I can have cross spring and we can root for each other. But then you need the next generation. They come to us to mentor us, but it's a mutual mentorship. Because when people come in here to get my advice, I say, before you go, let me ask you some questions. Because <laughs> this generation, I came to this school because black and white students want to know how can we change America? White students blew my phone up in Texas. We don't like what's happening in Black America after George Floyd's death. What can we do? I came because I was inspired by woke white students, right? Then Black students, the Black Student Association here and Esperanza Latina, our Hispanic heritage group. So many infinity groups here inspire me. They're teaching me. And so... My friendship with them is important, but their friendship with me, handicapped students who say, thank you for joining Connie and others that are being champions for our generation. I'm more than this wheelchair. And then now my heart beats for social justice and reconciliation. I lived my whole life talking about reconciliation without social justice, but that was imbalanced. And so I'm here today to say we never stop growing. I reject a gospel that does not include social justice. 
because the gospel and social justice must be inextricably tied. So I have to have friends, right, who are being champions beyond Facebook posts. I am now a woman of prayer and action, and I like surrounding myself with people who are doing more than spitting out pretty rhetoric. I like to see people that's putting feet on post for change. And so surround yourself with people that you admire, people you want to be like, and get some of your perfume on them. That's what friendships do. We had a girlfriend trip for my friend Tan. If you're on here, hey, Tan. She turned 50. We were not professionals on that trip. We weren't preachers. She's a chief of staff at her church. She wasn't the chief on that trip. We were just homegirls hanging out. You need a place where you're not your title. You need a place where there aren't any expectations outside of knowing that your existence matters. <laughs> and then I'm a wife. I need wives that are married longer or less than. Then I need single friends. Don't don't make your single friends an outcast because you get married. <laughs> I need male friends. I need female friends. And I'm glad to be married to somebody that's not intimidated by my personality. I never meet a stranger, nor by the fact that I'm very relational and that trust me. And uh, I'm better because of the men and women in my life. Male preachers, female preachers, pastors, DEI officers, SARAs, children. They are all mentors to me. Amen. <laughs> Enjoyed that. Wow. Ooh, ooh, this has been absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you yeah. um, for for not counting it robbery to drop by and drop in on us a second time here at Time of Wisdom. The answer for you all is always I'm on my way. <laughs> I thank you for your impact. Y'all are super bad in your own right. I honor and respect each of you. And thank you for what this platform means. Um, I was telling my Sarah, Dr. Chalice, it's, you know, relationships have so many windows and layers. If you don't mind me just sharing this before we go, I got to graduate from Baylor so I can write some more of these books, but I'm just pregnant right now. And I mean, in the spirit. So you know, there's the friends that love you no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. I want to say thank you to those friends. Those are, there are the friends that are cheering for you no matter what profession you're in. And even when you move out of town, I want to say thank you to those friends they are friends of a lifetime. My best friends from the fifth grade are still my best friends. Yeah. I honor them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then friends I got when I became a minister or living in other cities, I need my sister circles. But then I have big brothers and little brothers. When I have challenges related to race, I think if I make one call, Al Sharpton going to be standing out here. So I have to be careful. <laughs> my friend. <laughs> What friend I tell because some friends are protective, but I'm thankful for protective friends. Yeah, and right. DEI and ministry, I know my dad, when he died, he left me a colorful coat like Joseph's daddy. Hmm. But mine isn't a coat I put on, mine are relationships. Hmm. I want to urge us to cherish relationships, but don't be blind to the fact that some people are your friend only when you have a, a ministry where your picture is on flyers all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Some people only want to be your friend when you're the most popular preacher. Mm-hmm. Some people are intimidated 
when you're uh, older and they're younger. And some are intimidated when you're younger and they're older. That's true. I remember feeling supported by some women in ministry of all ages, but I also remember feeling the sting of somebody sizing you up like, "Mm, who does she think she is coming on the scene? Like new preachers can't be born. Mm. And so relationships are key. I want to urge us to make room at the table for the next generation. Put people on your shoulders, love and lift. My greatest passion for shout outs in social media to women was sometimes feeling sabotaged by other women. Mm. And I decided that's what I don't want to be. And so my ministry of encouraging others was birthed through the pain of feeling people frustrated Mm -hmm. by my appearance on the scene. Mm -hmm. I just want to say it's Christian and it's biblical to love and lift and make room for others. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Um, Bailey Robinson, for Love being you. with us Thank today. You. Hang around for us just a moment, if you would, please. Thank you so much. So thank you all for being with us. Timely Wisdom, please make sure to join us on next week. It will be our year's anniversary. Hit the heart buttons for our guest on today. Tell her how much you've been blessed by this show on today. We thank you again, Dr. Billy Robinson. And ladies, Lord says the same. Next week, we get to celebrate um, what we thought we were only doing for a few weeks. So God bless. Like, tag, and share. See you next week. Same time, same place.